two. Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs podcast. We're on season two, episode number 44, and today is September 26th, 2021. We are your hosts, Dan and Andy. Andy, how are you? Well, Mets were eliminated the other day. It's been better days, but... You're not wearing all black, I see. I did the church today. Okay. Pastor, pastor gave me a canoe. Uh, you know, we prayed. Um, some other guys gave me condolences. It was appreciated. So There's always next year, of course. But many right. teams are being eliminated. There's not many teams left in the hunt. We're getting down. Yes. Spoiler alert. We'll get to that later. Just don't get too far ahead. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. But with that said, sir, is there a trivia question this week? The trivia question today is many teams in amateur baseball, you can 10 run someone in a nine inning game and be done in seven innings. But in the over 50 men's league, what's the 10 run rule in a six inning game? That's the question. Oh, okay. Over men's, over 50 men's senior men's baseball league. Today we had the state tournament. Uh, There's six inning games is all they are. Typically we play seven innings, but double headers, you play six. So the question always is, if it's a 10-run rule, are we done in the, in the fifth? Are we done in the sixth? Are we done in the fourth? How does that go? And so that's always a – it always comes up to play. Anyway, it came into play today. Uh-oh. Actually, today it came up. So we'll cover that later segment of the show. But that's a trivia question for today. It's not something you can easily Google, I'm sure, either. Right. Am I set up for share screen, sir? Yes. All right, we'll get into it here. Uh, Go ahead and share away. We'll talk to some. Looks here like we some are. NFL maybe to start. Huh? Looks like some CFL will get started. NFL will start with our friends up in Canada, eh? Yes, eh. Here's the games this week. Uh, three games on the schedule instead of four. Um, they do 16 weeks. Like we said, they had an odd number of teams. So things like this happen every now and then. Hamilton over Ottawa. Montreal lost to Toronto 27-30. And Saskatchewan over BC 31-24 for the week eight scores. West Division, there's Winnipeg still on top at six and one. Saskatchewan five and two, on and on. In the East, it's ugly, but it's tight. Four and three for first place between Hamilton and Toronto. Montreal at two and four. Ottawa one and five. Each of the one game less played, so that makes it even closer, really. And here's our schedule for week nine. Edmonton at Ottawa on Tuesday. Winnipeg and BC on Friday. Doubleheader Saturday, Montreal, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. High school football. Here we go. We'll go for the conference rankings for all. First, we'd head into the well, the big rankings we're heading to conference stuff. Uh, top nine, oh, or top ten. Top nine are saying there's some, some movement, as we see. Like, Bill South still one. These are as of the 22nd. Rosemont four. Why is that a five? Shockby six. They all moved up from four, five, and six, seven. Because Ian Prairie and St. Michael, like we saw last week, Ian Prairie losing to Southview or Lakeville South and St. Michael losing to Rosemont. Since they dropped, everybody else moves up a little bit. Prior Lake entering the top 10 at number 10 there. 5A, we got Mankato West and over in Moorhead as your top three. Chaska at number seven. Four A, Hutch, as we like to call them out here in the West Metro. Hutch in first place. 
Becker McCrory, Mondwas Taka at number four. So there we go there. 3A, Litchfield in at four, Das Cocado at seven, Annandale, number 10. 2A, Blooming Prairie one, Blue Earth two, Pipestone three. Four, five, six are all the same. So movement there, though, Moose Lake up debuts at number eight. 1A, there you go, Minota at three, Bold at four. Little, little movement there. Uh, you see Broverville Eagle Valley drop from four to eight. So we'll change there. Gibbon at six up from seven. And then nine man, Mountain Lake area, Mountain Iron Bowl, one and two still. There are Sleepy Eye St. Mary's debuts at eight. Nine man's always fun to watch. I like watching nine man every now and then, especially state tournament time on the big field. Get a little more localized here. East, Central, South. Dassel Cocado 2-0 in conference, 4-0 overall. Watertown Mayor 1-1, 3-1 overall. They lost to Dassel Cocado on Friday. Um, so that's hence why Watertown's record is that. But we are at Annandale next week. As we saw, Annandale was ranked 10th in the state. So should be a tough game. We're on the road. Hopefully the local boys can do well. Metro Gold North. Got Taka in at three and one overall, two and one in conference. Uh, they uh, handed the Champlain 22-6. Next game was a home game against St. Michael Albertville on the first. Metro Gold South, home of Ian Prairie and Prior Lake in that conference, both at three and one overall. Here you see Ian Prairie defeated Rosemont 13-3. Not a big thumping like you hear from Ian Prairie usually, but uh, 13-3. Next week, Ian Prairie at Prior Lake. Uh, Prior Lake did hand it to Lakeville North, 17-14 with a run on Friday. 10 points in the fourth quarter. That's what we call a come-from-behind victory. Right there. Like I said before, Ian Prairie will be visiting the Lakers Friday, October 1st. Mid-Southeast Red, Lester Prairie 1-0 in conference, 2-2 overall. Mayor Lutheran also 1-0 in conference, 3-1 overall. Mayor Lutheran 36-0 over JWP last weekend, and uh, they will be on the road at Alden next week on Saturday, afternoon game for Mayor Lutheran. South, South Central Red, yeah, Jordan 2-2 two two overall. St. Peter and Tri-City, 1-0-1 conference leading there. Jordan with a heartbreaker to St. Peter, 21-22. Jordan will be at home to Wasika next week. Suburban White, Waconia, 2-2, holding down the bottom there. Chaska, 3-0 in conference, 4-0 overall. Waconia shut out 7-0 by Chaska at home. Next week, Chaska is at Bloomington-Jefferson. Go for football. Homecoming did not go well for the local boys. Embarrassed, if you will. 14-10. Um, at Purdue next Saturday. Then at home against Nebraska the week after that on the 16th. Or two weeks after that on the 16th. Time to be determined um, in case we win and Nebraska's win. They might want to make that a uh, a big-time game on a big-time TV, or they might bury it on ESPNU again. We don't know. 
Speaking of said Big Ten, here's the standings. These are as of this morning. Michigan State, 2-0, 4-0 overall, as is Michigan and Maryland and Penn State. Look at all undefeated in the, in the East there. Go to the West. Purdue, 1-0 in the division, 1-0 in conference. So they got the conference lead. Iowa, 4-0 overall, though. So if the season was on today, Purdue would be the West champs, but that ain't happening. Gophers are in fourth in that comp in that division. Um, two and two. But we haven't had any division games yet, thank God. Wisconsin dropped one and two. Now that the Wisconsin Notre Dame game over the weekend, you can look at the score, it was not that bad. Uh, Notre Dame had a couple three pick sixes, a couple at the end. So the this the game was close really to the last half of the fourth quarter when Wisconsin kind of choked, panicked. Purdue got a couple house calls there with some interceptions. Wisconsin will be fine. They're the Chargers. They'll be fine. Overall, here's the big standings for all the big schools. Bama still one. Georgia still two. Oregon, even though they won, dropped to six. I, I never figured that out. Uh, Penn State, yeah, they beat someone good, but still they shouldn't leap, but oh well. If they did, Texas A&M drops from seven to 15. Uh, look at the Big Ten schools there. You got Penn State at four, Iowa five, Ohio State eleven, and Michigan fourteen. The Bison doing what Bison do. Thirty-five to seven last week at Townsend. Open up Missouri Valley Conference this Saturday at the Sioux or the whatever they're called now. The Sioux, the Hawks, White Hawks, whatever. Uh, that's Saturday up there. Then uh, Saturday at home against Northern Iowa for homecoming on the ninth for the Bison. Missouri Valley Conference standings. Bison 3-0 overall. First place because no one else is undefeated except South Dakota who's 2-1. Southern Illinois 2-1. South Dakota 2-1. South Dakota's only 2-0. So that's how the Bison get to beat up there undefeated. And in their conference championships, one, two, three, stay the same. Bison win, Montana don't play, and they switch spots. Um, three points only in voting, so someone didn't think our win against Housen was that good or something. I don't know. It is what it is. We'll see in November who's who. Uh, so there's the rest of the standings. Jacksonville State up from 11 to 9. The Beavs did not do very well at homecoming against number 22, Augustana. Augustana not only beat us up and took our lunch money, they threw it back at us, 52-24. Uh, senior day shrine game next week against Montana State, and on the ninth at Concordia St. Paul. The Tommies, 36-0 against Butler. First game in the conference, 36-0, powerhouse. And they go, now they go to the University of San Diego. So our boys heading out to the West Coast of San Diego. We'll see how it happens, how they take it with the son and the girls. Big Ten preseason hockey poll. Gophers 1, Michigan 2, Wisconsin 3. Just the way God wanted it to be. So there's that. Now you say, hey, Andy, there's only seven schools listed there. So we got the Big Ten. We had to borrow, Penn, we had to borrow Notre Dame to get enough schools in there for hockey. So they're... And here is go for hockey schedule for the boys. 
Alaska, the second and third. Then Mercyhurst, eight and nine. Then home and home of St. Cloud State. The girls hockey, 25 years of go for women's hockey already. Where has the time gone? Ohio State next weekend. Then they go to Duluth. And then home and home with Mankato. Or Minnesota State, sorry. Beave, Beave Hockey. Boys got an exhibition with North Dakota on the second. Then a home and home with Duluth, eight and nine. 15, 16, home and home again with North Dakota. Then they start conference play in the CCHA. The WCHA is no longer, so they have joined the CCHA. They'll be playing Northern Michigan at Northern Michigan those first two games. The Gals lost in a three-on-three overtime to St. Cloud 2-1 to one. Uh, exhibition game. So the season starts at St. Thomas, first and second for the Beeve Gals, WCHA women. And they uh, host Ohio State. And here we go. Schedules for those said Tommies. St. Cloud State, like I said, we talked about one game, will be at the XL Energy Center Sunday, October 3rd. But the first game Saturday night will be up at St. Cloud State. Then they start conference play in CCHA against Northern Michigan, 8th and 9th. The Gals at Ohio State, they Lost to 0-6 and 1-4 in those games. And then they will be, like we said, hosting the Beavs. College volleyball, here's top 15. We'll sit Texas at 1, and we'll just kind of highlight the Big Ten schools. Wisconsin at 2, Ohio State 3, still there from last week. Purdue tied for 7th, up from 9. Gophers ninth up from eleven. Nebraska down to 12 from number six. And here's the volleyball. They uh, beat Michigan and Maryland over the weekend. This next coming weekend at number two, Wisconsin, and at Northwestern. All Elite Wrestling, a little pro wrestling news and info for you here. Here off Dirt Sheet Radio's stats from last week. This is how much time was actually spent of actual quote, quote, wrestling on TV per hour. Raw averaged 19 minutes of wrestling. Uh, yes, that's going to include commercials, but it wasn't 40 minutes commercials. That's just interviews and blah, blah, blah stuff. NXT only had only 17 minutes. NXT UK had 29. SmackDown did 15 minutes of actual wrestling per hour. But AEW shows Dynamite and Rampage did 37 and 36 minutes each, respectively. And these were the shows what they called their Grand Slam shows because AEW was uh, broadcasting. They recorded and that from Arthur Ashe Stadium, tennis complex where the U.S. Open's held in New York. Some of the rumor mills going around Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Radio. The Raw commentary team, this next week they're going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina. And they've asked them not to refer to it as Raleigh because it doesn't sound like a prestigious enough city to mention. So WWE will sit there and take their money. They won't mention your name because they don't think you're prestigious enough. Also, AEW is about to debut some secondary women's titles soon. Um, We know we've mentioned their trios title coming up. Odds are they have another AEW women's title, maybe like a TV title. What me and uh, the boys have talked about, sources are telling me, 
January 2nd, Wednesday, January 2nd, AEW Dynamite is going to move from TNT to TBS because of the hockey contracts. So one run out of wrestling will be Wednesday on TBS. Rampage will stay Fridays on TNT. What AEW has done with their TV title, they don't call it the TV title. It's been called the TNT Championship. So my guess is if they're switching to another network, that guy will always wrestle on Rampage, which I guess is fine. But for another woman's title, they'll probably call it the TBS women's title is going to be my guess or something to that effect. The gals to have a secondary title to help spread out their popularity. Major League Baseball. Some news and notes here. Here's some standings. Now, these were as of this morning. So games played today or being played tonight on Sunday are not affected here, represented here. And, yes, I'm just showing the teams that were still in it. Tampa Bay and the White Sox have both clinched their divisions. The West is still up for grabs. Um, magic number of two and one, but still up for grabs. East, Atlanta, it's a game and a half ahead of Philadelphia. Milwaukee's got a playoff berth clenched. St. Louis could, you know, still had a one-game number, so I put him on there. Uh, and San Francisco and San Diego, or San Francisco and the Dodgers have both locked up playoffs and wild card. The Dodgers uh, have the wild card locked up by 13 games there. And only two games out of first. They could still get first place. Um, the Padres are done. As you see there, St. Louis has a 15-game winning streak, 16 going into today. I'm just going to kind of side cap or go on a sidebar here. If you remember earlier in the month, there was a game between the Cardinals and Reds where they questioned the bat of one of the Reds players. Um said it was good. They let it stand, the home run stand. And I said right there then, go back and check the tape. My golly. I said, that's just a Cardinals plan, had games being Cardinals. They've won 16 games. They're like, had four losses since then. They're like four and four right after that, and they rattled off these 16 in a row. The Reds have fallen off the face of the earth. That crushed them. It was just the Cardinals being the Cardinals. The Atlanta schedule, they do have three games against Philadelphia, so that's why Philadelphia is not really out of it yet. So those will be big games right there. Those three games are at the Atlanta. Wild card standings, like I said, going into tonight. Boston and the Yankees tied for the wild card spot. Toronto, two games out. Seattle, three. Oakland, four. Now, if we look at the schedule, this is why these guys have a chance and some don't. Boston's been handed the gravy schedules after tonight they got – they're at Baltimore and at the Nationals. Yes, they're on the road, but it's at Baltimore and at the Nationals. The Yankees' schedule go to Toronto, then home against Tampa. But Tampa has it locked up. They're not going to give the Yankees nothing. And you're at Toronto, and Toronto's fighting for that seat too. So, Hence, here's the Toronto, the Yankees, and they finish up with three at home against Baltimore. So Toronto's really got – they're driving their own bus here. It's all on them. National League wildcard, like I said, the Dodgers have a lot. St. Louis is in there. The Phillies are five games out, Cincinnati six. Magic numbers three and two in those, but I had to list them anyway. Um, games played today, I will update you on this because of what's happened. Magic numbers one for both of those. Philly lost, Cincinnati won, so did St. Louis. So that's – St. Louis has it all but locked up. They'll do it tomorrow. The Mets, as you heard us talking at the beginning of the show, the Mets were eliminated this week. Not making excuses. They 
I wanted them to win, don't get me wrong, but they didn't. I'm okay with it. Because there I am, beginning of the year watching the Mets in the first half, all about getting excited, and there I am the last half of the season. Thank you, SpongeBob, for filling in for me there. Nice. Mets catcher prospect Francisco Alvarez is having a good season in, or had a good season in the minors for St. Lucie and Brooklyn. Um, some decent numbers, 272, 388, uh, 18 doubles, 24 homers, 70 RBIs. So he might be one to watch in spring training. I don't know if he'll make the big club next year, but he will be one to watch, if not trade bait. Speaking of trades, Carlos Carrera said earlier in the year, <clears throat> I'm willing to move to third base either for the Astros or a different team if it comes to that. So we're him at third, Lindor at short, Baez at second, and Alonzo at first. Dan, they wouldn't have enough money to pay you and me to play the outfield. There'd be so, nothing left. Right. So if they do it, they're definitely play, paying the penalty and getting nobody in the outfield. Um, not saying there's not good players, but – you're not going to get big names. You're going to get guys who are going to bat 210, which is fine. If you got, if you got those four horses on the infield, the Reds made a career of it in the 70s with Big Red Machine, but they had decent outfielders too. So I don't know if Career will go there. The name's been thrown out. Then again, you got to pay the ground. We'll see what the deal is with Syndergaard. Uh, Syndergaard's last two rehab starts, two innings pitched, one hit, two Ks. 23 pitches, 17 were strikes. Mm, Thor is doing just fine. Um, Like I discussed with the guys at church today, I said, sign Syndergaard to a one-year deal. He's coming off Tommy John. I get you being scared of it, of what to sign him for. So you sign him for the one-year deal. If he's doing lights out and he's the Syndergaard of old, you could always renew the contract in the middle of the year. If he's not, you're out only a one-year deal. So... I'd sign the one-year deal and go from there. Syndergaard, I think, would have no problem with it because you know you're playing for a contract. You sign the one-year deal, you don't sign. If the Mets are doing bad, you're trade bait. Get money from somebody else then. I know Noah loves the city of New York and loves that team and that organization. Not saying he'll take less and be embarrassed to stay there. He's got pride, don't get me wrong, but he'll want to stay. But money talks. Twins. Put Justin Morneau in their uh, Hall of Fame the other day. Now, this doesn't per se mean they've retired his number. They just had a Hall of Fame. They give him a pretty jacket. They make a plaque for him in the building. He gets to throw a first pitch, and hopefully he could draw in a few more fans. I, I don't really like this when they retire. When they, oh, we put you in our Hall of Fame. Okay, maybe it should be a guy who's – I'm not saying Justin isn't, but a guy who maybe has a shot of going to the actual Hall of Fame, you put in your team Hall of Fame. So your guys like your Kent Herbex should be in the Twins Hall of Fame. Does Kent deserve to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame? Some could argue yes, but he's that middle of the rock, so he goes there. Justin Morneau, great career, batting champion, MVP, great guy. Don't think he belongs to the team Hall of Fame. Sorry. Um, that's just me. He didn't play here long enough. I mean, he played here for a long time. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he deserved it. Um, I think they just throw these out just to get names in, get people in. I know Justin does okay in the commentary. He's gotten better over years. He's got an office job there. He helps out in the minors. He's good for that. He might be a great coach one day. 
Who knows? Not Hall of Fame. And that's not even my soapbox. Just wait. I got other baseball news. August 18th, Chris Bassett was hospitalized after getting hit, hit with a 100-mile-an-hour line drive to his face. Late, earlier this week, he returned and threw three shutout innings while striking out four. So here this guy takes a line drive back at him in his face, dropped him. Comes back in a month and throws two, three shutout innings. Pilar of the Mets took a fastball to the face, came back, got off the field right away. Yeah, you watch, I watched football today for a little bit. These guys think they got hurt and have to be kept off the field and come back and play later. LeBron James gets a cramp, has to be carried off the court. This guy took 100 miles an hour back in the face and was back a month later. NASCAR, if you see me look over my shoulder here, I am watching said race tonight. The South Point 400 in Vegas. Here's your 12 guys who are still in it. I'm not going to mention how the race is going right now because I don't have my glasses on. I can't see that far away. I'm just watching for Rex. Um, Kyle Larson. Chase Elliott and Brad Kozlowski are four of the five guys I picked to go to the final four. Um, the other one was Eric Amorelli. He was eliminated in the first three rounds. So I have three of the four guys left. Kind of like my basketball tournament. After that first weekend, I always have one of my final four eliminated. So I wasn't that hurt. <laughs> here is the soapbox. We try not to get into politics here with stuff. So this isn't a politic thing, but it's kind of the, the way things are run. Major League Baseball teams are worth, on average, nearly $2 billion. Yet they pay most of their minor leaguers less than $1,500 a year. Now, this doesn't include the guys like Syndergaard who's down there on rehabbing that. This is the guys who are signed to minor league deals. That's, you know, you can make more than that flipping burgers at McDonald's. But these are guys are chasing a dream. Yes, you're getting your rooms paid for, and you're getting meals, you're getting this and that, but still, you're only making fifteen dollars This is sad. Um, don't pay a minor. Well, we're going to sign this pitcher to see what he can do in the majors for $4 million and see what happens. No, you got to throw some of this back in your minors. This is why kids are going straight basketball, football, college to pro because of the money. I don't know what hockey's minor league pays. I'm sure it's probably no better than this. That's why a lot of them go to Europe and play or Canada and play early. But you, this is what's killing baseball with youth, why they don't want to stick with it. They see numbers like this and go, no, I'm not going to make that for four or five years in the minors. Well, if you're good enough, you get a big signing bonus. Again, that's not figured in this. But you get a big signing bonus, like most kids, you blow that on a house for you and a house for your mom and dad and cars for all your friends, and you're down to 50 bucks. Now you only make it 15 a year after that. Life is tough, so... No. Should the minor leaguers strike? No. I think major league teams need to open up that checkbook a little more to the, the teams below them. Uh, we talked about Wichita's new stadium, how much money I pumped into that, but you're not paying your players. So something's got to be done to work more money down to those in the minors. Because I'd rather watch a minor league game than a major league game every day anyway. I got a choice. Yeah, and that's, and that's a good point. It doesn't get talked about enough either, the, the wages those guys make. So, uh, and those yeah, stadiums but, fill up. They, people go. That's big money, big business. Yeah. But, yeah. And in those towns, they sell the shirts and the hats big time, and they're not making much. So they may do a commercial for the local John's Cafe. And what did John do? Gives them dinner every night. That's what he's getting paid. So now to the songs part of the show. 
Ghost and Volbeat per 93X will be playing um, February 5th at Target Center. Also coming up September 28th at the Armory, Megadeth with Lamb of God. October 11th, a day to remember at the Armory and the 18th at the Fillmore Minneapolis Black Label Society. Medina, our friends at Medina. Here coming up at the Coco Montoya and Ronnie Baker Brooks show coming up on the 1st. Um, Tony Castro and Marcella Ball on the 8th and the 9th. Neil, a Martin Zeller's tribute to Neil Diamond on Saturday the 9th. The 15th, the Tubes. No guest for the Tubes would be just them. The 16th, Elvin Bishop's Big Fun Trio with guest Miss Mara and the Moonshiners. And the Moonshiners. Now remember, if you need tickets, you just check out Mike Damone over for concert tickets over at the Ridgemont Mall in the food court. <laughs> Mike has all your ticket needs. That's awesome. Yep. Except don't ask for Blue Oyster Colt because he had to eat a lot of those last time. Yes. Great t-shirt. Yes. Record albums. Number two. After 606 weeks on the chart, last week, number 63, Metallica's Metallica, the Black Album, if you will, back up to number two. And Iron Maiden, after peaking at number one last week, has dropped to number three. Don't tell me metal's dead. Please like, share, subscribe to all of our happy little formats we have here on Warden Songs. That's what I have. Um... The Kraken did have their first exhibition game today. So the boys are out skating. Uh, the Wild are starting theirs. College hockey like said they start up here next, next weekend. High school hockey is going to be starting up pretty soon. we got tons to talk about coming up in the next few weeks. So lots and lots of things happening. Um, not too much exciting going on in the NASCAR right there. Uh, it is what it is. Um, did watch a couple things here with the baseball. I was watching, um, except the Cardinals, 16 in a row. They were two games above 500 before this streak started, so they're just power through. Now, um, Andy, you also said midway through the season that the Cardinals were hanging around below 500. And yep. you said several times, don't worry about them. Don't count them out. The Cardinals will be in the hunt when the season ends. And sure enough, they're in it. But boy, to win 15, 16 games is unbelievable. Yep. I, I didn't think they'd, I didn't think of the this big. I thought they'd have a couple of, like, you know, seven out of 10 winning streaks here and there and get themselves climbed back up. 16 in a row is unheard of. Here's the sad thing you look at the National League standings right now. The Dodgers have a 13 game lead on that wild card. Them and the Giants are fighting for first place. One of those two is going to be the wild card team. One of those two are going to be in a one-and-done game against somebody. With over 100 wins. Yeah. And it, might, it's good, it looks like it's going to be the Cardinals are playing. And, yeah, the Cardinals may ease back a little bit, but if not, teams just rally off two weeks before you get to meet them. That, that wild card game, that one-and-done is going to be an awesome game. Where the Cardinals are hot right now, Giants and Dodgers, 100-win team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to draw a big the audience. Yes, unless they bury it on ESPN3 or something like that, but they'll get me started. Now, Andy, what's, yeah. your, what's your hat say? My hat is when we're in Chicago this week. Billy Goat. Chicago. The Billy Goat Tavern, downtown yes. Chicago. 
Nice. Chicago. Went to the Cubs Twins game. I did post pictures out on the Facebook for that. Um, uh, and on the other social medias for those of you who like, share, and subscribe on those. Um, very interesting. Wrigley Field, never been there. Um, it's got the small town stadium feel. You know, because it is. It's a small stadium. Um, it's all right there. You walk up a, a circular ramp to get upstairs. Yeah, they have elevators, but ramps. Um, had a Chicago dog there because I had to. Um, yes. Rules. I was threatened. Um, the thing that was tough for me, though, I remember growing up watching Cubs games on TV. Yeah, the scoreboards have been moved up. It's all done by hand still. I think that and Fenway, the only two scoreboards done by hand. See the stadium electronic scoreboards out there in the outfield. That was kind of hard to see at Wrigley. You know, it's Wrigley. But they made up for it. Because in Wrigley, they still got troughs. Yes, they do. The troughs yes. are there for the men's room. Yeah, so they still have that. Um, that was good. Uh, the tour was good with their Chicago Sports Museum uh, at one of Harry Carey's restaurants there. I have a picture thing with Harry's Stilluet. I'll, I'll be posting it later on. A lot of interesting things there. Um, like you would today, they're hometown team sports things, you know. Um, oh, here's basketballs and had basketballs like Will Produce hand print on it and Scotty Pippins and Jordan's. You can see how your hand fit on that. Um, uh, uh, shoes for uh, Shaquille O'Neal. He had donated a shoe and Will Produce his stuff there. Uh, Frank, Frank Thomas, batting challenge, you know, Richard Dent, football challenge, you know. Um, they did have a ball. They do have the Bartman ball there. Oh, um, they do. It is there. But, but a year afterwards, someone did get the ball back from them. A bunch of fans blew it up. So it's just a shredded ball sitting there. Um, I talked to one of the vendors there. When the Cubs got the world championship a few years ago, they did send Bartman a ring. Yeah, they they made amends with him and, and offered yep. to come back and do do whatever. We're you know, first is done. Uh, sorry for all the bad blood, and I don't think he even accepted to do anything. Yeah, I I asked him. I said, "Does anyone know where he is?" He goes, "We think he's in Chicago." I still last year during the COVID games and they read the cardboard cutouts in that spot. They had a Bartman. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to see. I asked him, I said, did they color that seat differently? Like, that's the Bartman seat? No. Like, you know, like, hey, here's where Kirby Puckett hit the home run in the Metrodome for game six. They had that as a red seat, you know, or yeah, here's where Solskjaer hit do home run. Or, because most people go to that stadium and they ask right away, where's that Bartman seat? I want to see it. Seat? Get there early, touch it, sit in it, feel it, whatever. But that's Have the Bartman picture. seat. And they don't yep. need it. Yep. Yeah. You know, and there's not much fog around there at Wrigley anyway. So it's not like, and it could happen. It probably happened so much it doesn't matter. So that was a playoff game. After that catch, the Marlins came back with for was it three or four our unanswered runs to come back to win the game. Now the wheels fell off. You know, so uh, Moises Alou was the outfielder. I remember that part. Yes, I think Moises had words for Mister Bartman that weren't in English. Uh, uh. Now so. I have a question. Speaking of Chicago, Andy. Yes. Do you know why? I mean, I don't know this. The college football game, the Badgers, Notre Dame was at Soldier Field on Saturday. Yes. Now, why yes. was there a reason for that or just big money? Yeah. 
Uh, there, it's kind of becoming a rivalry. Like, you know, how we have the axe to go for the axe with certain teams. I think they have something they pass back and forth between the two of them. Uh, that's why they use that field. Kind of um, Notre Dame tries to play a, a off-site game every year. Yeah, it's not even – it wasn't, wasn't even in the same state for either team, but it was central right. location, and I liked right. it. But I just didn't know the specifics on how and why it got picked. I either. think Notre Dame – that was Wisconsin's home game, and they, you know, they were home game for Wisconsin, yes, for Wisconsin, and they got obviously enough money to move it to Jane. Illinois, and uh, Notre Dame comes from Indiana, so they meet and play at the big field, which was which was nice, but I just didn't know the specifics. I know a few years ago we were in Chicago too. Um, the weekend we were there, Notre Dame was playing a game at Soldier Field, so I don't know if they do that on a regular basis. Okay, that may be maybe our I listeners in that region might know. UCLA or USC or something for that game. Um, might be just Notre Dame trying to get out because, yeah, Chicago's big. You got Illinois, you got Purdue, you got Indiana, you got Notre Dame, you got a whole bunch of college football teams right there. So that's not the issue. Like you're trying to draw football into that part of the state. Um, I don't know if it's just a publicity thing, a money thing. Notre Dame is so popular they can play wherever they want for a home well, game. I think the other thing maybe is that the tailgaters from the each were able to drive a further distance and everyone come to those games. Right. And it was the featured – Location on the uh, Saturday morning football box, I think, was the featured uh, pregame show. Yeah, yeah, we saw all their trucks setting up when we were there touring. Oh, all the okay. I talked to some uh, Notre Dame faithful there. I told them I was still bitter about the Lou Holtz thing. And and did they understand? Too he young. goes, yes. The guy goes, yeah, because he was older than me. Ah. I said, do you know Sparky? He goes, yeah. Um, he was that genre, so he knew what I was talking. Okay. About. He goes, hey. All Lou says he'd get you to a bowl game. He never said he'd coach it. It's when he came back to me right away. I'm like, oh, the guy knows his stuff. I was thinking the generation may have been a gap there, but he no, knew. No, no, he was a touch older, so he knew. Okay. He goes, hey, all Lou says he'd get you to a bowl game. He has, he's always said he wanted to play coach here, and he got his chance. Okay, touche. Yep. He got me. I said, any word of uh, your boys ever joining the Big Ten? And I said, we got you in for hockey. How about Big Ten? He goes, with COVID last year? The way the ACC let us play with them, we kind of owe them that. If we went to anywhere, we'd go ACC. Oh, I see. Interesting. So, but now with all those conferences combining for super conferences, who knows? Who really knows? Like I said, Big Ten's got 14 teams. Pac-10 has eight. Or Pac-12 has eight or some goofy. You know, they're all not matching their numbers anymore. Um, the... ACC, I think, will still be okay. They tell me, okay, um, the SEC and the Southeast will combine. And South will combine. With Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC in a couple of years. Yeah. I think they'll come out with the Big Ten or the Pac-12 then. So the Pac-12, Big Ten. Like I said, it'll be probably co- corporate sponsors by then. It'll be the Toyota Conference, the Microsoft Conference. And the Hyundai Yes. The Tostitos Conference. The General Mills Conference. You know, so that's where that's heading out, I think, for college football, um, which is fine, which is sad. These college football players are making more than minor league baseball players. That's a good point. You know, but uh, that's that. Um, Chicago was a good time. Great place to visit. Wouldn't want to live there. Um, Cubs fans, White Sox fans. You don't say the S word in Wrigley Field. You don't say socks in Wrigley Field. 
And I asked some Cubs fans because the beautiful bride was asking, what's the difference between a Cubs fan and a White Sox fan? So I asked a Cubs fan to clarify this for me. She says, Cubs fans are always Cubs fans. White Sox fans are only fans when they're winning. I said, oh, they're like Timberwolf fans. Nice. Which, now, if I heard the radio reports in Chicago right, did Alex Rodriguez buy the Wolves? Is that official now? Is that going through? Or Last I heard, he, he was part of the group that was buying them, but I don't know. If he was part of it. We overheard it as we were walking in the mall. I was in a sports goods store. And they hey, breaking news, Alex Rodriguez has bought the Timberwolves. I don't know if that's uh, finalized or done, but he's a very minor player, I think, in that. But he's part of that group, that investor group to buy. He's the, he's he the face of it. Well, he's in now. Got rid of her. That sounds like. And, but, kind of, okay, look at the Brooklyn Nets. There were the New Jersey Nets, laughing stock, no one wanted anything to do with them. They go to Brooklyn, and some rapper is part owner now. So here's a famous name. These guys, all, all these celebrities know each other. Oh, we'll go play for my buddy over here, which a few did, or they wanted to play there because he's going to dump money into it. Hopefully, A-Rod's name draws people here. Ben Simmons from Philadelphia is thinking of coming here in a trade that his name keeps coming up. Maybe we can get a decent coach here just because name recognition. A-Rod will be there, and you could say you played for A-Rod, whatever. Hopefully, he makes us at least playoff contendable all the time. Well, yes. Are we going to stay here, though? Um, that I don't know. Um, I, I know some teams have left and left the female team behind, so if we left, would the Lynx go too? Yeah, that have to be uh, agreed upon because they are a packaged – uh, deal well, right now because the Sonics left and went to Oklahoma City, but the Seattle Storm are still up there. Okay. So the Lynx could stay. Sadly, the Lynx probably draw more than Timberwolves. Lynx are in the playoffs, so they've won championships. They very well could stay. They may not get Target Center to play at. They might go to Ritter. Who cares? Fans are fans. Money's money. You know. Hmm. Speaking of Target Center, coming up November 13th, I think it is, AEW Rampage will be at Target Center. That was just released. So, wrestling fans. Really? If you want to spend 90 bucks to sit in the front row, go ahead. I will stay here and order my my $7 Papa Murphy's Pizza on a Friday night and watch from home. Thank you. Because I'm cheap. Unless our intern says there's money in the coffers for me to buy a ticket on the company. Dime. Check with the interns here, yes. Intern Fred, see if you intern Stan, see if they got that around. But yes, that's what I got. Um, your trivia answer, sir, before we get to the music part. Uh, the, the trivia question, a good one um, um, today. In baseball, in amateur baseball, there's the, there's the uh, what's it called, the 10-run the rule. The sympathy, uh, what's the other word for it? Uh, mercy rule. Like the mercy rule. If you're up on more than 10, the game will end up with seven innings. Uh, we have different things there in the state of Minnesota as far as how that goes. In the over 35 league, you only play seven innings. Over 35, you play seven innings. In the over 50, you play seven innings. Now, in the over 50 league here in the state of Minnesota, if you play a double header, a double header, it, the, the common rule is that you play two six-inning games, two six-inning games for the okay. for us older folks. But there's a mercy rule in over 50 baseball also in a six-inning game. The answer to that is what inning does that take effect? And it's the fourth. 
Oh, wow. So if you're up by 10 after four. You're up by eight. 10 after four, the game's over. Uh, and so we had state tournament today wearing the T-shirt here. Woo-hoo. There it is. Uh, Minnesota men's state tournament this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Four of the classes played Saturday. The other four played Sunday. Uh, I'm a part of the St. Patrick Emeralds team, and we had the doubleheader today. Uh, we won 13-3 to in four innings. Playing the championship game, beat Loretto 13-3 to again in four innings. We played a total of eight innings today is all we did. Scored 26 runs. Scored 26 <laughs> runs, came home with the trophy, won the Class 6A title, and played eight innings. And so the game goes quick. Now, it's, it's interesting because if you have a big run, the, uh, the opposing team does not have many innings to, to, to chip away at that. Right. They're up right. against the wall. So uh, in, our, in our last game today, we were the home team, and we were up 10 to 3 in the fourth. We came to bat. <coughs> the fourth. And so once you get a couple guys on base, then you got to start thinking, well, there's your winning run right there. And so we had a couple in, a couple scored. Next thing you know, two on, RBI double both come in it's uh it's 13-3 game over now the opposing team to somewhat is thinking is it for four innings are we done people walking off the field shaking hands i guess so you know it's not that well known of a rule but boy when you're up you can put the nail in the coffin but when you're down you have less chance to really chip away you can't afford to give up uh, a big run inning because uh you know we put up an eight spot inning in one of those games and it's almost over right then. Right. But yeah, you go four innings. That's it. The game's over. And so, well, and also if you're up by eight, you want to keep going because you want to stop after four innings. Well, especially if you that's the that's when the mercy rule comes in because in our dugout, even today you're up by eight and it's like, should we hold off stealing bases, taking the extra base, advancing on a pass ball, stealing. And uh, typically that's kind of a six run rule you you kind of throttle back on some of that. Well, state tournament, uh, we did that a little bit, but these, these the runs and hits keep coming. You pilot it on, not really wanting to, but there's a couple of errors in the field. Next thing you know, you got four or five runs that inning, and the game's almost over. So we didn't. And you don't win. want to embarrass the team either. If you hit a ball and it rolls to the wall, you don't want to stop it first. True. And and by this time at the at the second game, uh, the opposing team at this point sometimes is is for the most part, maybe looking to get out of there at that point. Anyway, it's embarrassing. It's a 10 run blowout. It's four innings. Uh, it's like, okay, we're, we're good. Uh, we don't have the pitching to go, uh, you know, two long games like this, but boy, it makes it fast. It makes it fast when you can uh, uh, win and put up numbers like that. So we hit the ball. Well, that is it. So that's the trivia question today. Four innings when it comes to the over 50 men's league. Now, what song were you listen to as you were celebrating on your, Eight track player in the car. In the drive home from the game, the game was held in New Market at the Fish Bowl, by the way. New Market's Fish Bowl. Driving home, I listened to a little Motley Crew. The album of the week is Shout at the Devil. Shout at the Devil, Motley Crew. This was released 38 years ago today. Wow. Today. Happy birthday. Today's the anniversary for Shout at the Devil. I'm going to get into it here. Let me share my screen and I'll pull this up. There we go. Can everyone see it? Shout the Not devil. yet. Is it there now? Not yet. There it is. Shout at the Devil is the second, second studio album by American heavy metal band Motley Crue. 
Can, can you see it there? Yep, yep. Uh, it was blinking on my side a couple times. I got it. I'm solid. You're following. Okay. Released on September 26, 1983, it was the band's breakthrough album, establishing Motley Crue as one of the top-selling heavy metal acts of the 80s. In particular, the songs Too Young to Fall in Love and Looks That Kill were moderate hits for the band. All right. Are you there? Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, I heard Roxy. Nice. So uh, it was a breakthrough success, and it sold 200,000 copies in the first two weeks. But the album's title and the band's use of a pentagram caused a great deal of controversy in 1983. As Christian and conservative groups claimed the band was encouraging listeners to worship Satan. Now, the pentagram was something that Nikki Six brought with him over from his previous band called Sister. He said, I'm going to bring this over. We never used it in my old band. Let's bring some of this stuff over in the new band. The other band members were like, I don't know, it's a little too much, but what, what the heck? We'll, we'll take it. And so he, he brought that over from the band called Sister, a very theatrical band that he'd been a member along with in the past, Blackie Lawless, formerly of Wasps. Uh, this is the band he was in in the late 70s prior to the formation of Motley Crue. And actually, the first L.A. band was Sister to fuse the occult symbolism, such as the pentagram, into the theatrical heavy metal show incorporating blood, facial makeup. Uh, Nikki Six asked Blackie Lawless for permission to use some of Sister's occult-related imagery for the album Shout at the Devil. At that point, Blackie Lawless was intent on moving in a different direction, and he says, quote, take whatever you want, because at that point, he realized with an image like that, you are going to end up painting yourself in a corner that you can't get out of. Blackie Lawless says, you know, you can take the occult, the pentagram stuff, but boy, he said, be careful with that. It's a little touchy and it, it may be a, a hard one to break. And Nikki Six was, was hell bent on it, loved it. Uh, so anyway, uh, just prior to kicking, returning home to Los Angeles to begin recording for the album, Motley Crue was, was opening for Kiss's Creatures of the Night tour and was kicked off by Gene Simmons, kicked off the op as the opening act for the band for the tour. So Molly Crew only played five shows with Kiss back then, and Gene Simmons demanded they be replaced, citing their bad behavior. Uh, during the recording, bassist Nikki Six was involved in a serious car crash after drunkenly stealing his friend's Porsche in L.A., and that was around the same time actress and friend Demi Moore told Six, you need some Alcoholics Anonymous. Six later dismissed her concerns, but his badly injured shoulder in the crash, he was prescribed per Percocet and a combination of acetaminophen and a powerful opioid oxycodone, which was commonly prescribed to treat severe short-term pain. While Six's use of per Percocet transitioned him directly to his crippling addiction of heroin, which would cost him $3,500 a day and later almost claimed his life. So uh, it, it got to be interesting for Mr. Nikki, Nikki Six. Uh, they Is also that one of those times he died twice where he's talked about all the time? Uh, what's that? Is that one of the times where he said he died twice? Yeah, he did flatline on the, uh, on the, on the, on the operating table, I think, uh, once or twice. Uh, yes. Now, he was with Debbie Moore at the time? I don't, I don't know. Wow, that's, 
He was with uh, the one gal from Baywatch for a while too. Not Pam Anderson, but the other one. He ended up marrying one of the gals from Baywatch, I think, didn't he? Yeah. So it was in his in the book. A lot of this gets covered in the book, the uh, the Motley Crude Band books book, The Dirt. A lot of a lot of that is covered, and it's and it's and it's not a censored book either. The, uh, it comes right out and talks about stuff. And, and the thing is, you talk about how Blackie Lawless told Nikki, "Hmm, don't take that. It could be a bad image." Look at some of the promotional photos Blackie Lawless put out for Wasp at the end. <laughs> Him holding a skull with blood coming through it and stuff like that. Yes. Really, Blackie, you're worried about your image? It was, it's all these bands, they know that to make it big, when they become big, they need to get breakthrough and they need to do something outrageous, shock rock. Right. And so Wasp did it with Blackie Lawless. Motley Crue did it. Poison, when they first came out, did it. Well, and yeah, we talked about Poison and Cinderella. They want their hair band look to start. You get that album that, and they tone down the hairspray, they trim it up a little bit. And, and they all get tame after that. But by this time, the it was, you know, Tipper Gore and the PMRC was big yeah. back time back then. And they were really pushing to put labels on these things and really get them off the shelves for kids not to listen to them or whatnot. But all that did was stir it up. And everyone bought it at that point. Yeah. And so, if you think about it, Shout the Devil, to you on the phone love weren't bad message songs you know yeah, the songs are very the songs were, were very good the songs that nikki six did you can tell in the lyrics or the titles that they're always pushing the envelope i mean nikki yeah. six this was basically his album yeah and um you know vince neal is simply singing the lyrics mick mars is, is playing and they've got tommy tommy lee on drums nikki six on bass mick mars and guitar Vince Neil on lead vocals, but this is this is Nikki Six lyrics, composition, music behind almost this, this entire album. Yep, and it's very angry. It's 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 very good music though, and it holds up in the in the time. Uh, yeah, it sounds very good today. Yeah, it, it, it's you still hear it in the weight room of football teams a lot. It's that hard. It's an angry, gotta go. Yep, type of thing. Yep, the song. They had the song Bastard. It was called Bastard too, and the and the folks and the conservative folks didn't like it and, and the, the Christians and they said, Well, that remember the lyrics to that was really not a call to violence, it says. But that song was written about a certain person that we used to work with that we felt that we were stabbed in the back by. So the song is written about that person. Right. And now the song Knock 'em Dead Kid is inspired by a violent encounter between Nikki Six and a group of Hell's Angels he got in a fight with. Somehow or another, Nikki Six got in a fight with a group of bikers, even hitting one of the one of them in the face with a chain. That's smart. He had been wearing as a belt. He took it off and whipped it across his face uh, as a chain. Well, uh, the Hell's Angels turned out to be undercover cops, and the bassist was subsequently badly beaten and jailed by this group, resulting <laughs> in a black eye and a broken cheekbone. And after being released from jail, he was inspired to write the song about the ordeal. So a lot of this is is Nikki Sixx's uh, wild time in his life, writing songs and actually documenting it, wild, crazy, or whatnot. Um, now, Motley Crue always does a cover on every album. Yeah. What song do you do a cover on that one? I can't remember. Uh, I showed it before. Did you see it? No. They, they cover someone else's song. Oh, sorry. Sorry. On each album. Um, I can't remember what they did on that one. They'd had a Helter Skelter. 
Helter Skelter is that album. That's what, which fits in that whole album theme. Helter Skelter was a great cover for them. Uh, it's a really great song. Uh, here's song one was in the beginning. Song two, shout at the devil. Song three, looks that kill. Song four, bastard. Song five is an instrumental uh, called God Bless the Children of the Beast. That's actually written by Mick Mars, titled yeah, by, yeah. I think, Nikki Six. Side two on tape, yeah. And then Helter Skelter, the cover song by the Beatles, was very, uh, very good. And then the final songs on the, on the album were Red Hot, Too Young to Fall in Love, Knock em Dead Kid, 10 Seconds to Love, and Danger. Red Hot's my favorite song on the album. I like it. And in the beginning, it was kind of a, uh, a vocal thing. It wasn't really a song. It was just a narrative. Um, they did. And um, very good kind of leads into the you know, Kelly got Wasp. They're uh, inside the electric circus. He has a narrative at the beginning, uh, kind of an introduction. Um, yes, very uh, four times platinum. Album won four times platinum. Uh, very, very good, very entertaining. And what it also did, you'll like this one, Andy. I did not know this is one of the great hair metal bands, what wouldn't have come out if not for this album. But Shout at the Devil was a great record. It was, uh, it was, let's see, it was sick. Very first heavy metal band to truly cross over from the male to female audience back then. Rock and roll and heavy metal was always guys, male. Yep. Testosterone-fueled teenage boys love heavy metal. But boy, the female audience jumped on this Shout at the Devil. And really, it brought in this whole audience of female teenage girls into Motley Crue and then thus into heavy metal. So it's their fault. Okay. I've got two other notes here. I got to think of where they are here. Uh, it's only a 33 minutes, 57 seconds long. And their next album was you know, theater of pain, which was also very, uh, very good. Well, the first one, Too Fast for Love, I thought was really good also. Well, that's that's another one of those underrated, uh, underrated uh, Very songs. underrated, yeah. Theater of Pain had more of a glam look, but Shout of the Devil was such a great record. Uh, yep. But yeah, I think the I think the the, the bad press about this was uh, it could almost be pointed and directly directed right at Nikki Six. He was the one behind all the bad press, whether it was or not, but he brought that in and it actually fueled it to become very popular. Got a lot of people uh, pissed at the band, didn't like them, but also brought in millions of fans at the same time. Bad press was good press. At the same time. So uh, one could argue that he himself brought this up. Uh, Molly Crew went on to sell millions of records, but boy, this one. Uh, this was released 38 years ago today. Still sounds fresh. Still sounds heavy with some great, uh, great guitar licks. Vince yeah. Neil's voice, unbelievable. Still, yep. Yeah. It was right around the "Girls, Girls, Girls" album where he lost, started losing his voice. Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, they and still that got, and that got to be very commercialized. Yes, more mainstream, but uh, yeah, that was hard for him to hit some of those high notes they did on the earlier albums. I mean, because you listen to Too Fast for Love and you listen to Girls, 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 it doesn't sound the same singer. Yeah, very, very different. But yes, this was good. Vince Neil had some rocking 
vocals back in the day was this was unbelievable stuff. Very yes. good. I, I recommend it. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, throw it in the old uh, Sony Walkman. It's some good stuff for all those uh, great heavy metal heads. It's it's already uh, enough enough said. You, you already have this in your collection. Yeah. Nick Mars does great guitar work on it. I think. Very good. And I read the comments going through on some of these uh, reviews as well. Uh, Nick Mars, excellent guitar work. Maybe his best on this album. Yep. Yep. All right, that's all I've got here for episode 44. Anything more for sports, Andy? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, Music, uh, concerts? Just the concerts are coming up. Like I said, AW's got matches coming up. Go to Target Center to get tickets for that. Um, Target Center for that. 93X.com has a lot of tickets or concert information. Um, you can also check with Mike down at the mall. He'll hook you up with concert tickets there. Um, Medina, our friends at Medina have some shows coming up. Nothing too much exciting there. Um, baseball playoff heavy by next week, but more playoff prediction than anything else. We're getting more high school stuff after that. And I'll try to I'll try to do my midweek show this week on baseball. I'll cover this. I'll do a recap in the over fifty state tournament. The recap on the minor league playoffs. The recap on the AAA minor league postseason. The final stretch they call it. And also you'll have the uh, major league baseball. We'll have things fine, final, fine-tuned down as we're, as we're wrapping up the season. Page two this week will be my uh, review of the Chicago Sports Museum when we were down ah, there. Ah, that'll be good. Uh, so I put put my hand inside William the Refrigerator Perry's Super Bowl ring. Big boy. That big around, uh, my little finger in there, just unreal. Some of that stuff's pretty – You've seen the pictures before, but actually then go see it and touch it and look at it. You know, it was kind of different. It was fun. Uh, cost a little something to get in. Uh, well worth the price of admission because you get to eat at Harry Carey's afterwards, one of his restaurants there. God bless Harry Carey. A lot of pictures of famous people would be nice to kind of see those. But uh, that's uh, for page two this week. Next week will probably be another Sunday episode. I got to work Saturday, so. Be another Sunday episode next week. So be a little later in the weekend. Be patient. All but if you like, share, and subscribe, you'd know that. That's all I've got for this uh, this week here as well. Have a good week, everyone. All right. Next time. All right. See you, everyone. Bye bye.